Lots of people uh, pray, even non-Christians. Uh, I've even met a, I think I've even known an atheist or two that has prayed. Um, not sure why they prayed, being an atheist, but they have chosen to do that just the same. And I think all of us sometimes will wonder how effective is our prayers. We pray and we pray and we pray and we pray some more, but does God ever see us? Does God ever hear us? Does He acknowledge that we're there? I remember um, as a teenager growing up in Fort McMurray and walking home the kilometer and a half from the church to, the, to our house, and uh, on a cold winter's night, happened many a times, you know, minus 20, minus 30, walking home, looking up at the skies in a, long, in a cold wintry night, watching the northern lights dance around, and, and even with the street lights on, feel like they're just coming straight at me, and sensing that in the middle of that, that God, God could see me, that God knew my name, that God knew how many hairs I had on my head. That, that there wasn't, that he saw me and, and he wanted, he wanted to, to talk with me and he wanted to meet with me. He knew what I thought, he knew what my dreams were, he knew what I longed for. And he saw me. But I still often wondered, does he really? Why would God, who can see beyond the farthest star in our, in our universe, why would he care for me, a, a young, long-haired punk in the middle of the northern wilderness at 11 p.m. On a, on a wintry, cold, wintry night? Why would he consider, why would he look at me and see me? Why would he even want to know me? Yet somehow, in the depths of my soul, I sensed that God saw me and that he cared for me. And I knew that he was there. But I think sometimes when we pray, we, we wonder, okay, God, how do we pray? What should we pray? Will you even answer my prayers? And we, we have so many times probably wondered that question, is it worth even praying? Because God, I've prayed, and I've prayed, and none of those things have come to pass. And um, so those, that's one of the big questions that we often wrestle with is, you know, what, what do we pray and how do we pray? Or when you're laying at night, awake at night, looking at the ceiling, and you're thinking, God, when, when sleep doesn't come easy, and you wonder, God, what are you up to? Why do you, an do you will you answer my prayer? Will, is it even worth praying? Am I praying the way I should? Should I pray something different? Should I pray a different request? How do I pray for others? There's so many questions run through our mind in regard to prayer. And guess what? I'm not going to answer all of them today. I, sorry to disappoint you, but there's no way I could do that. But I'm sure, as we, I'm sure Paul wrestled with that very same thing about how he should pray and what he should pray for people specifically. And yet somehow he sensed exactly what he was, and so he wrote some of those prayers down. The book of Ephesians actually has a couple of them in there. And they're amazing prayers to read through. And we're going to look at one of them today. So if you have your Bible, you turn to Ephesians chapter 1. If you have the, the, the Bible app, we actually uploaded all the scriptures and stuff. You can search for SEAC on there, South Edmonton Alliance Church, and find us on the Bible app. And then 
in under events and the scriptures and questions and everything that I throw out that are on the screen here we're also in are on your phone so you can do that as well but I'd like to I'd like to turn to Ephesians chapter 1 I want to pray first and then I'm going to jump in to uh, look at another portion of Ephesians chapter 1 Lord we invite you this morning even as the disciples did Teach us to pray. Lord, I include myself in that. Lord, teach us how to pray. How to pray prayers that you will answer. Our hearts long for that. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Paul writes, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. Paul started by affirming two things that he saw in the Ephesian church. These two things were the framework that guides him as he prayed for them. Surprisingly, we've heard these two things before. They actually are the summary of the Ten Commandments that we just finished, the series we just finished, called The Relevancy of the Ten. And simply they are love God and love people. Except the way, he put it, he, the way he put it was, I've heard of your faith. They had great faith. The Ephesians had this unbelievable essence that they, 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 they trusted God in, in great ways. And so, as we talked about last week, Paul never really needed to correct some of their theology. More than anything, what he needed to was affirm them and build them up in what they knew and expand their knowledge of what God was wanting to do in their lives. They had great faith, and it showed up over and over again. But faith is not something that you can store up. Have you ever noticed that? Faith is not something you can store up. Because the Ephesian church, by the time you get to the book of Revelation, which is 30 or 40 years after this book was written, Jesus has a few words for the church in Ephesus. And they weren't necessarily great words of encouragement and affirmation as this letter is. And so faith is not something that you can store up and put into a retirement plan and going, yep, I'm just going to rest. I've got all the faith I need. No, you can't because faith is more like a muscle. It needs to be exercised. It needs to be engaged. It needs to be stepped. There needs to be some form of it that we need to be moving and, and trusting God in new and fresh ways, taking bigger steps of faith, learning and discovering new things all the time. It's not something you can just say, I I got faith, I'm trusting Jesus, and we put it on the shelf as a trophy. Faith is not a trophy. It's not to be stored away for later. It, it, It fades, it weakens, and so we need to constantly build into, ask God to build us and give us great faith. But here we see that the Ephesian church did have great faith, but like I said, it's not something that is something you can will last forever. You have to be exercising. You've got to be growing in that faith. It laid the foundation, this faith laid the foundation of, for what he was about to share with them. The second thing he said that they had there, that he said they had, was they had a great love for all the saints. They loved people. I heard a message this summer when I was on vacation about how we are to work at unity. The pastor said three things about unity. The first is, unity, in order to, to continue in unity, you need to eat together. That's why he says, 
They have communion. That's why Jesus instituted communion, because that's a, an aspect of unity. The second thing he said was that we need to be um, doing everything we can to keep unity, because unity needs work. The third thing he says, that you need to be, as, as a community, as a body, you need to be moving in the same direction. Now, those, those three aspects work for marriages, they work for families, and so on. They work for every, if you want to be together, you have to have those two things. You have to eat together, you have to, to be going in the same direction together, and you have to work at keeping unity, because it's easy for unity to, to dissolve. It's easy for it to fade. And love is the same kind of thing. It takes effort on our part to work at it because it means we need to exercise self-discipline. We need to let go of our own selfish, selfish desires. We need to let go of those things that we want and trust God for what He wants, even if it means it's not, not as what we were hoping for. And that's how the Ephesian church was. They loved people. They, loved, they went the extra mile for so many people. And, and Paul looked at them, and he loved on them. He, he recognized that they loved people. And those two things, love for God and love for people, those are the foundational pieces that sum up the whole Old Testament. Jesus affirmed that. He says, if you love God and love people, you, you, will, com you, will, complete all, you will fulfill all the Ten Commandments. You'll do them, every one of them. But Paul went beyond that. Because he says there's two things now that he wanted God, he, he was asking God to give the Ephesian church. First of all, Paul wanted, um, wanted them to know. Let's pick it up in verse 17. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Knowledge and understanding to mentally grapple with truth. That's what Paul wanted them to understand. He just didn't want them to, to have a little bit, but he wanted them their, their, the knowledge of God to expand they would grow in their insight and wisdom and revelation of who God was. That's what we talked about last week in those first few verses. The first 14 verses, we talked about all the gifts, all the blessings that God, the spiritual blessings that God has given to us. He wanted them to know the hope to which they were called. God wanted them to know all the bells and whistles, the perks, the responsibilities to which he was calling them. I remember when I got my very first computer. It was a Radio Shack Tandy 1000TX. I think we have a picture of it. At least I hope we have one on the screen there. Uh, which ran MS-DOS on a floppy drive, a, 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 you know, the three and a half inch floppy drive. Man, when I got that in 1988, I, I was amazing. I was unbelievable. But then I went from this machine I had that for about, I think, three or four years, or five, four years maybe, and then I moved up to a, a one with a hard drive, not this one, but I moved up to a hard drive, and it was an Olivetti computer with a, I don't know, 250 megabyte hard drive or something like that, and it was running Windows 3. 
or 3.1, I can't remember exactly which it was. Man, that was amazing. No more, no more of this flipping, swapping disks out and all that kind of stuff. It was unbelievable. And then you went from Windows 3.1 to, to Windows 95, then to Windows 98, XP, and it went on. Also, before the advent of the smartphone, I had a Palm Pilot. How many of you know what a Palm Pilot is? Some of you do remember Palm Pilots? I had this one here. It was a, a Palm Pilot TX, 100 TX or TX100, it was, or TX I think it was called. And uh, man, it was, it was sweet. It was about the size of my smartphone, uh, but it had, it, it had Wi-Fi capabilities. You could carry your, you know, your calendar on it and all kinds of things. It was a nice device, really nice device. I really liked it. But then, of course, you moved to a smartphone. And again, now, as I looked back and compared my smartphone to my first computer, oh, there's like zero comparison. I, I, I tried to do a little calculations, and I'm not that great at compu- figuring out computer power, but I think, I think my phone, the one I have right here, which isn't even the, the latest version, um, it can do a, probably a thousand times more than my first computer. The chipset is like 1,550 times more powerful. The memory is like 10,000 times much more memory than my first computer. Just, it's just unbelievable. But I could have stuck, way back then, I could have stuck with that old computer, that Tandy 1000TX. I could have stayed with that. And I could have just been happy with it. Because I was happy with it for a while. For a long while. And Paul wanted the Ephesians church not just to be happy with their little box theology of who God is and what God has done for them. But he says, I want to give you more. So much more. More than you could ever hope or imagine. But will you discover it? Will you press in? Will you know me? Will you do the hard work of pressing in and discovering more of what you have? And the amazing thing is, I've been on this journey for over 60-some 60, 60 years of walking with Jesus all this time. And, and yet, you know what? There's more and more I discover about God every day. He is infinite, and His grace is infinite. So why would I think that I can get to the end and think I've read it all the way through? Know everything there is to know. But the thing Paul realized that it's not just about head knowledge that he's talking about here. So now I want you to turn to the person beside you and I want you to poke them. Hopefully if you're sitting beside somebody, you can poke them. Okay? Everybody's done that? Everybody's awake now? Because the reason that's exactly what God, the second part that, that Paul wanted the church to know in Ephesus. Paul wanted them to experience God. He wanted there to be a tactile, physical encounter with God. Not something that was intellectual, but experiential as well. He wanted both knowledge and experience. Look at verses 19 to verse 23. Paul says, And he wanted them to know His incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. That wasn't, that's not mental abilities there. That was actual physical resurrection. 
far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Paul wanted the church in Ephesus to experience God and his presence. Tangibly, tactile, physically, concrete experience. To be poked, in a sense, by the loving God. Lovingly by God. That great power, that incomparable great power, it describes, that it, it, the way he describes it is, is in the, the most powerful sense that it raised Christ from the dead. Now, I'm going to ask everybody in this room, have you ever seen anybody raised from the dead without a doctor-assisted resurrection brought back to life? Anybody? No. But Paul says that's exactly what God wants to do in us and through us. He wants to have that tactile experience of the powerful presence of God and that is the greatest degree that we could ever experience, is if God were to resurrect us from the dead. That same power that did that to Jesus, he says, I want you to experience it as well. Now the problem is, we going, I've never seen somebody resurrected. And everybody's already said that they, we've all, none of us here have ever seen anybody resurrected. So why would God choose to do that? Why would God want to do that? Why would he want us to experience that? Is that possible even? And it is. I mean, this morning, probably many of you um, drove here to church, or at least got in a vehicle with someone else. Many of you did. And when you went into the car and put your keys in and turned the ignition or hit the button, the car started up. And the moment you put your foot on the gas, it took off and pinned you to the back seat, or to the seat, right? Well, mine didn't, but yours probably, yours could have maybe did that. But, but you sensed the power of the vehicle that was there. There was a tactile sense of the power of the vehicle in which you were driving. That's incredible power. But how did they experience God's power? How did the Ephesian church do that? Were they resurrected from the dead? No, there was other things that they began to experience. Things like freedom from guilt, lightness from bondage, uh, maybe physical healing of different types, freedom from a demonic oppression and control. You know, those voices that were in their head that just never seemed to be silent. Maybe in knowing that God is in charge of everything and that they could, they could trust in Him and rest on Him even though the life was chaos around Him. Maybe to know the actual physical presence of Jesus when they were grieving a loss or when they were broken because of a challenge they were facing. They needed his presence. That's what God calls, that's what God wants us to know. God wants us to know the tactile, the physical sense of the presence of God, the overwhelming coming of him upon us. It's not something we, we, we will experience every day, every hour of every day of our life, because that's what faith also is about that. It's about walking even when we don't sense His presence. And there's times when I haven't sensed the presence of God, but there's also times where I've sensed the very powerful presence of God. And that's what Paul was talking about here. He was saying to them, I want you to know 
and I want you to experience. And that's my prayer for you, Paul said. And that's the same prayer that God wants for us as well as a church. And I mean, I look at this SEAC and I look at this church and I, I've heard the faith of this church. Not just as individuals, but the faith of the church as a body. When, they, when, when, when we as a church stepped out in faith in the past and believed God for impossible things. I remember when I came, they talked about how in the South Edmonton Alliance had stepped out and, and partnered with Millborn Life Community Center and, and, and connected with them and, and how they involved in, in their ministry that was there, doing serving and helping with ESL and doing kinds of things with the youth, the youth ministries that were there and so on. I mean, I've heard about the 40 days of purpose that this church engaged in and prayer and seeking God together. And for many, there was a presence of God's, uh, uh, the, the very presence of God was a gift to individuals. When you think back, even how God has taken us through the pandemic, we often think, well, we survived it. But you know what? I think God led us in a great way through it. There were so many things that I learned through the pandemic. And I trust you did too. There was times where, man, the presence of God was very, real even when the presence of people were not because we were all in our own homes so my question to you this morning is so does god what does god want to continue to do and how does he want to stretch you in your faith let me go back to the first question if if our church is a, a church of faith what does God want to do here among us? Do we continue to have a reputation of faith, even as the Ephesian church did? Maybe God wants to increase our faith again. Maybe we're closer to like the book of Revelation version of, of, of the church in Ephesus, and God needs to deepen us and call us out in a greater way to continue in faith. What is he calling us to? There's always more to know. There's always more to discover. There's always more ways that we can walk and experience who God is and what God wants to do. One of the things at the retreat that we're looking at doing is saying, what is God calling our congregation to do here in Millwoods area? What are the needs of our community? What are the needs of the people in our neighborhoods? What are the things that they're wrestling with? And how can we be a part of that? How does the gospel, the good news of Jesus, fit into those kinds of things? And that's what, we're gonna, that's what the retreat's going to be looking at it during the retreat. Not only that, but how do, we, how do we do it? What do we do? How do we get empowered to do it? How do we work together to see those kinds of things happen? Which leads us to the last question is, how does God want to stretch your faith and my faith for the impossible? Do we believe him that God is the God of healing? That he is the God for people in our world, the God of peace? Because our world lacks peace. Our world lacks hope. In, in huge measures, there's so much lack of that. And they're grasping at all kinds of things. How does God want to restore marriages and family and, and children brought back into relationship with their parents? 
Those are things that God wants to do in our day. Why? Because God, even as Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, that they would know God and the deep have deep understanding of God, but they would also experience God in all of his fullness. Jesus said, I have come into this world. Why? To heal the brokenhearted, to set captives free. And that's what Jesus came, has given the same, he's passed the baton on to us. That's what the same prayer that we can pray. That's the prayer that you can pray for your friends. That's the prayer you can pray for this church. That's the prayer you can pray for each other in your small groups. Because we all need that. We both need the knowledge and we need the experience of God in our lives. So how will you do that this week? How much time will you take aside to seek God's, the knowledge of God and to seek His experience? And how much time will you pray for those around you that they might know the same? God's calling us to step out in faith. He is. And He's giving us His Spirit to accomplish that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are not a God of um, the impossible. You're not a God of the past. But you are a God who touches our hearts, touches our lives. You're a God that wants us to know you and to experience you. Because knowledge without experience doesn't mean much. James talks about that in his book where he says, faith without works is dead. If there's no way of exercising that, of, of that knowledge of working its way out of our lives, then it's just head knowledge. And the Pharisees had a lot of head knowledge, but they had no experiential application of their knowledge, and therefore they, they just were caught up in their knowledge. God, we want to experience your presence. We want to experience you in this world. Our world needs to experience a tangible, physical, real God who has the ability to bring hope and healing into our world. And God, the baton's been passed to us. You gave us your seal as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance into that but also that we could pass that on to others. And, it's, and, it, and the way we pass it on can look so different because we have to go back to loving people and caring for people and being there for people and hearing them and encouraging them and supporting them when they need it the most because, God, that's so lacking in our world. So, God, come. Lead us. Help us to discover in our small sphere of influence, what you're calling us to do. And may we step out in faith, the great faith that you have given to us, and believe you for those things. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.